Have you ever gotten a card in the mail from someone when it's not your birthday and not Christmas? Someone who is simply reaching out to encourage you. One of those just dropping a line to say hi. One of those you're doing a great job. Anybody received one of those encouragement cards, a letter in your life? They really mean so much, right? So many people these days, they don't send cards in the mail and they don't write letters. So when you do receive a card, it means that much more, right? I know that I have for more than one occasion uh, received one of those encouraging cards and they happen to come at just the right time when I really need it. They help to lift me up in that week and spur me forward into whatever lies ahead of me. During the early months of COVID, when the church doors were still shut to the public and we were meeting online, watching pre-recorded material or live streaming from a pastor from the inside of an empty sanctuary, I found at that time that letter writing and card writing was to be a very valuable source of time spent. Time spent connecting with others within my church at the time, letting them know that they were loved, that they were not forgotten. My family, in part because I kind of roped them along with me, we all made 60 Easter cards from just plain cardstock with words offering hallelujah, Christ is risen. We added stickers, drew little pictures, gave these encouraging messages. We wanted to show love and care for our people as the summer passed on, I wrote letters to the elderly within our church, encouraging them about what was going on in our life as our little family. What I was doing gardening, our child bike riding in the parking lot, enjoying the sunshine, growing deeper in my devotional time, patiently waiting for the Lord to renew us during this season of isolation. There were a few cards that I received coming back to me and they were really great encouragement to me. Hearing of the prayers of others and how they too were praying for relief, but they were thankful for health amidst the loneliness. This season, of great, uh, this season had greatly reminded me of the early letters of Paul. Paul writing to the churches that had been established, either through his establishing them, or those of which he just visited to encourage. He would write at length, to the church in Rome, the church in Corinth, in Ephesus, and Philippi. And he would offer insight on how the Lord has been moving in his life and directing him. Paul would write at great length to many of these churches that he visited and started. He wrote to them to help them in ministry. He would share about those of which he was discipling and bringing up in the faith. He would keep them connected. He would not only have uh, but we not only have these recordings of what Paul wrote to these churches, but we also have correspondences found in scripture of what Paul wrote to people. Specifically, his dear friend, Timothy, his brother in Christ, his mentee in Christ. Timothy was one of those important people that Paul invested much of his time into. We read in the book of Acts of the work of the two men and what they did alongside each other. 
This morning, we're gonna go ahead and take a look and catch just a little glimpse of this intimate writing between Paul and Timothy. While Paul was in prison at the end of his life, all he had was letter writing. He was honest about ministry. He was encouraging to the next generation, specifically to Timothy here today. So if you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles with me or your Bible apps, if you'd like to follow along, we're gonna be in 2 Timothy. So there's two letters that we have recorded. My Wednesday night class knows very well of that. So 2 Timothy, and we're gonna go ahead and begin in chapter one, the very beginning, verse one. 2 Timothy is the end of the New Testament, pretty close. 2 Timothy chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now that it lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and he has called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of our Lord. And as the people of God, we say thanks be to God for this word. Thanks be to God. So Paul's initial greetings here, they are warm, they are kind. Firstly, he is thanking God for the faith of Timothy, the work of the Spirit in both their lives over the years. We can see the work of the Lord in Timothy's life from a very young age. Timothy is a third generation Christian, right? Your grandmother and your mother. Since his childhood, Timothy has been the recipient of established Christian teachings and practices. 
This is why the author speaks of the faith as a long tradition of beliefs and practices transmitted from generation to generation, rather than just as this individual belief in Jesus. He mentions Timothy's family. But just because Timothy has been raised in the faith and has a generational history of being in the faith does not mean that he has it all together. Am I right, anybody else? There is where Paul, that, that's where Paul comes in here. Paul has been his mentor for a number of years, bringing him along in the task of ministry, both in person and now at a distance through his writing. Here in the letter, Paul launches into an appeal, a reminder to Timothy, an encouragement to Timothy of the task that is laid out before him. Fan the flame. Make the love of Christ grow. Do not be afraid to share the good news with others. I've done it, says Paul, and so can you. I am now passing the baton on to you. It is now your time. When I think of passing the baton on to the next generation, I can't help but think of that Disney movie, The Lion King. When Mufasa, he speaks to Simba, his son, in a vision. The Lion King, the the king of Pride Rock, who has now since passed away, is coming back to his son, who has now grown into an adult himself. And he says, it is time. You must take your place in the circle of life. Be who you were created to be. Do not be afraid, but rather step up and take the place of me. I am no longer there. It's your turn. Similarly, we can look at the scriptural history of the Old Testament characters like Moses, who passes the advice to Joshua in this fledgling religious community that arose in the wilderness. It is the official call upon the next generation to step up to take their place, to keep the candle burning, to keep running the race, to keep sharing about the kingdom of God and making new believers. So here, Paul is presented as a wise and aged apostle, passing on precious advice and guidance to his trusted successor, Timothy, and to the fledging Christian community that's in Ephesus where Timothy is located right now. But how was Paul able to do this so confidently? How is he so sure that he can just pass the baton along and know that Timothy can do this? Well, he was so powerfully aware of what the Lord had done in his own heart, his own life story that had given him strength. He knows firsthand what the Lord can do in his life and therefore he trusts what the Lord can continue to do in Timothy's life knowing that the strength that was given to him by God, that the Lord would do all of the same things in Timothy's life too. So Paul knew that his time was coming to an end. He was in prison. He had this impending death sentence upon him. He had little time left and it needed to pass along his final words of wisdom. His words of wisdom were this, Rather than being ashamed, humiliated, or guilty for our testimony of Christ Jesus, the Christian community is now to rekindle the gift of God that is within. Join in the suffering. Rely on God's power. 
remember your salvation. Hold to the standard of sound, true teaching. And finally, the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Hold on to that. These admonitions, these sign points on the highway, right? These are the things that you must hold on to and must remember. They help navigate our faith journey. At times, we rely on God's power. Other times, we will suffer. And at times, we will forget our salvation and we need a reminder to breathe in the Spirit of God. Meditation in which we take time to breathe in and breathe out, remembering God's presence in our lives. This can return us back to the center of beings in our faith in God. See, Paul's fear that Timothy will be ashamed and not tell others of his faith, it reminds us that this good news is just but one generation away from being extinct. If Timothy doesn't carry this on, what happens next? Will there be Christians in the future? What happens today if we don't share the good news with those around us into the next generation? Will there be Christians in the future? If one generation becomes ashamed of the gospel and does not risk testimony, how will the next generation know? See, at the end of his life, Paul needs Timothy to carry on for him. Paul inspires Timothy to, first of all, give thanks for the gift of the Spirit. But secondly, as he writes in verse six, to rekindle that gift. To rekindle the gift, meaning to stir up the grace and faith and love that he's received to stir it up and put it into practice. The call is to actively live out this Christian life through practices like reading scripture, praying, and by fanning the flame into the lives of others. Sharing our testimony boldly with others, discipling and impacting the lives of others in, for the kingdom, making an impact on the next generation. We're moving quickly towards our All Saints Day celebration next week. Pastor Chima has given us more details about what's going to come. We have a tree placed out in the lobby that already has pictures of saints put up. People who have impacted lives of other people. Throughout history, the generations are being impacted. So I can't help but think for myself, who might I add to that tree? And honestly, through my work this week, preparing for the sermon, I can't help but think, I think it's gonna be Paul. I would definitely pick Paul as a good choice of a saint, as someone who has impacted the lives of the next generation, someone who has fanned the flame, shared of his own life, and really changed the lives of others for the kingdom of God. See, he came from a place of persecution and hating and killing other Christians. And then he spun this 180. He was all in, not for killing other people, but rather for building the kingdom of God here on earth, investing in the lives of those like Timothy. His mission was not only to finish the race that was marked out for him following Christ, and preaching Christ's resurrection and salvation for all, 
but he invested in the lives of other people. He taught them to do as he did. Follow me as I follow Christ. This was his model. Follow me as I follow Christ. A humble and honest model. Now Paul didn't just sugarcoat anything. He ran into persecution. He ran into danger. Many near-death experiences. He ran into conflict all the time between people in the church conflict against or even towards himself. But he didn't waver. He stood strong in the Lord. That's the kind of person I wanna be. Am I right? Humble. Humble enough, yet bold enough to say, follow me as I follow Christ. I wanna be one who boldly stands up for the Lord, but yet, to be someone who is so humble and meek, to not let pride get in the way. To know that all of my strength and wisdom, it comes from the Lord and nowhere else. I wanna be that person who is known for investing in the lives of others, teaching them to follow Christ just as I follow Christ. What about you? Does the model and character of Paul resonate with you? Is that the kind of Christian that you want to be? One who is bold, but humble and meek, but strong and mighty. One who invests in the lives of others, the next generation of believers. I would hope that in some ways he does resonate with you. His life does connect with you as a model, something to strive after. Because in actuality, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it means that we are all called to make more disciples. It doesn't just stop with us. We are all called to invest in the lives of others for the sake of the kingdom. Now what does this look like, you ask? What does it mean just to say, I'm a disciple and that I impact the next generation? It sounds like a lofty ask, right? taking someone out to coffee to talk about what God's been speaking to you about, being willing to pray with that person about what God has been doing in their life and how God's been working on them, spending time with the children or the teens, hearing about their daily struggles because there are many, and being willing to partner with them in prayer to get through the really tough season writing an encouraging note to someone who hasn't been in church for a few weeks, and really, who cares why they haven't been here? What matters most is that they are missed and that they are loved. Encouraging them that they are not alone. Making a phone call or sending a text to check in on that new mom or that mom who has another little one in the house and might be a little bit overwhelmed. Being willing to hear someone's story because stories matter. Encouraging them to keep pressing on, praying with them, praying with them, spending time with them. These are the most valuable ways of building disciples, of discipling and investing in the lives of others. When we think of those saints, 
of those people who have made an impact on our lives and helped us to walk with Christ. Most often, the practices that we can list of which they participated in on a daily basis. Prayer, listening, giving encouragement through words and actions. These are all similarities that we can probably find in that of the lives of the saints. Leaving a lasting legacy, it isn't just for these saintly people who have passed on though, it's for us today. It's for me and it's for you. I invite you today to reflect on the life of Paul and Timothy, to reflect on what it means to be a saint, what it means to be a disciple of Christ who is impacting and discipling other people, making an impact on the next generation. What kind of impact are you having on the people around you? Take a moment to think, who are you impacting? Who are you investing in? We all have someone, whether that's someone physically in your own home, or a neighbor, or a coworker, extended family, extended friends, those within the church community. Who are you impacting? And are you impacting them for the kingdom of God? Might you begin praying about being a Paul to a Timothy? Who might the Timothy be in your life? I invite you to pray to God to bring to you a Timothy if you don't have one in your life and to pray to God that he can help direct your ways so that you can better invest in that person's life. I think even this week as I was sharing with others of the direction that I felt God was leading me in, I said, you know, even Abraham can be a Paul to somebody. Abraham, my son, let me clarify. Even my six-year-old son can be a Paul to somebody. Even when he's out on the playground, there's other children that are younger than him. So how am I impacting him to impact the next generation? Because I don't think that age really has anything to do with it. We are all called to this journey. And we all do it in our own ways. A six-year-old may just be teaching not to push and shove, but why? because we love those around us, whether we get along with them or not, we are called to love. And those of us who are older, well, then there's a a different application. Coffee at the local coffee shop may apply more to those that are older than to my six-year-old son. But we all have a place, and we are all called to be making an impact on the life of other people. We're gonna close this morning with a familiar song. Teach me your way, O Lord, right? I'm gonna have Aaron um, go ahead and sing for us as well. God, just teach us. Let it be said of us that we are your people, right? At the end of the day, we want to be your people who are impacting the lives of other people for your kingdom. As we sing this song again, it's so familiar to us. May you be continuing to pray and reflect and think about
this relationship with Paul and Timothy and how you may be someone that's impacting the next generation. Sing with me. Let it be said of us that the Lord was our passion, that with gladness we bore every cross we were given, that we fought the good fight, that we finished the course, knowing within us the power of the risen Lord. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Stand with me. Let it be said of us, we were marked by forgiveness. We were known by our love and delighted in meekness. We were ruled by his peace unity's call joined as one body that Christ would be seen by all let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our soul by mercy made holy by the spirit made strong let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. I'm going to ask you to go back for me to the verse, go back for me, Nick, um, the last verse that we did. That's the chorus, go back one more time. One more. One more. We'll get there. There we go. Let it be said of us that we are marked by forgiveness, known by our love, delighted in meekness, ruled by his peace, Heeding unity's call, joined as one body that Christ would be seen by all. My prayer is that you would live a life that offered forgiveness, that you would live a life that shows your love, that you delight in being humble and meek, that you create peace in your world. Seek unity in our one body. For it is by doing each and every one of those things, you in fact are being that disciple. And through those actions, you in fact 
are making a difference and impacting the lives of others. That those may see your forgiveness that you offer, that those may see your love that you offer, that those may see how humble and meek you are, that you don't seek to defend yourself, but that you seek unity. Can we sing that one more time and then the chorus and I'll close us out. Let it be said of us, we were marked by forgiveness. We were known by our love and delighted in meekness. We were ruled by his peace, heeding unity's call. Joined as one body that Christ would be seen by all. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our soul. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our soul. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Thanks so much. Now receive this benediction, this sending you out encouragement word from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may it equip you with everything good so that you will do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Be equipped to be disciples. Amen. You are dismissed.